The following program is sponsored by Bell & Pollock PC. Welcome to Champions of the People, the Bell and Pollock Injury Show. Attorneys Gary Bell and Brad Pollock are ready to work for you. Reach Gary, Brad, and their team at championsofthepeople.com or by calling 303-795-5900. That's 303-795-5900. Good morning, Colorado. Here we go. The Bell and Pollock Injury Show. This is the Champions of the People Injury Show. We are injury attorneys. Brad Pollock, I'm Gary Bell. We have over 30 years of experience each, helping injured victims, helping their families, helping them put their lives back together again. And you know what? We started years ago saying to ourselves, the people don't know what these rules are. They don't know what the, the, the rules of the road are with regard to being in an accident and injured, and we got to tell them. And we've been doing these radio shows for a long time. Welcome to this show in KOA. We're here for you. Our website, championsofthepeople.com. That's championsofthepeople.com. It's an information-loaded website. We have all our information there, all of our podcasts there, special features, and six books are published, and they're there, and you can download any book free, any copy of any book of our books. Our most recent book is The Definitive Guideline on Colorado Car Insurance. Everything you wanted to know is right there. And by the way, that book, Colorado Car Insurance, if you want a hard copy of any of our books, call our law firm or call 303-795-5900. We'll send you a hard copy. But by the way, that book has examples in it of insurance policies, insurance deck sheets, gives you simple explanations, easy to follow. There's arrows pointing to the important parts of the policy and the deck sheet, what you should consider doing and not consider doing. And it's a very valuable um, insight, and you can have it. And if you have any questions about insurance policies, you can just give us a call. Uh, and we'll be glad to help you. We do it every week. Okay, today we're talking about bad faith insurance practices. What does that mean? Bad faith insurance practices. There are certain laws uh, in this state, all states now across the country, that regulate and define the conduct of insurance companies for a long, long time. You, the consumer, you, the injured victim, didn't have much choice or power to deal with these insurance companies, but the, that playing field has changed. And there are now common law bad faith causes of action and statutory bu- um, bad faith causes of action. So uh, let's let's just talk a little bit about what bad faith is about, explain it, and then we're going to get down to our typical car accident concept. You know, it's it's kind of a shame that you, you, you have to have laws dealing with bad faith for insurance companies. Uh, you start out with a contract for insurance where you're supposed to be protected. The insurance company tells you they're going to protect you. They tell you they'll cover it. They'll tell you they'll take care of it. They'll tell you you have protection. Uh, the, the, the sales agents will talk to you so much about how much uh, you need this protection to make sure you don't lose everything by one mistake or you don't lose everything as a result of the mistake of a child or, or somebody else. And we have all these uh, these promises and they, they they all these sales pitches that are given to you on TV and are given to you everywhere else trying to tell you what a great deal it is and then what happens what happens is when you get your your in your crash or when something happens you find that the insurance company is anything but acting in good faith as a matter of fact they could care less about you 
Um, still, to this day, we haven't gone as far as we need to in protecting people against bad faith because we do nothing to protect people against the insurance companies taking up your time and 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 causing you to undergo the, the rigors of a lawsuit. At the same time, they don't talk to you. They, they, they tell us as plaintiff's lawyers they talk to you. They tell us as plaintiff's lawyers is what you want and what you don't want, but they don't appropriately talk to you. They don't appropriately advise you. And, and so what you get into is a situation where, uh, unfortunately, laws had to be passed. We have a, a developed case law that addresses it. We've had to go back to the contracts and show where it's a breach contract. Uh, you, you just have to understand that the worst thing that you have to do in, in this industry is deal with the bad faith of insurance companies, which you can just about bet is happening every day, Gary. I'd, I'd have to say it's happening more than every day. It's happening multiple times every day. Right. There's all kinds of lawsuits uh, across the state on these matters all the time. And so, you know, in the beginning, they're talking about the law, the pure law in the situation. Uh, you enter into an insurance um, program with an insurance company. That's a contract. You have a contract. Uh, you pay them a premium, they give you coverage, and they draft the policy, right? You've never been able to change the words of the policy. So one basic legal concept is you have a contract, and if they don't live up to the terms of the contract, they breach the contract, okay? And so we say, well, that ought to be good enough, and the, and the damages on breach of contract are basically uh, what you were expected to get, what you should get, and what you actually got, the difference between those two concepts. And you say, that ought to be good enough. Well, no, it's not good enough. And, and many times they do these, um, they perform these actions uh, intentionally. They don't pay benefits. They reduce them. They minimize them. And this, this what we're talking about today, we use a typical car accident, and you've been injured in a car accident uh, and dealing with it. But, but it can also apply to your house, dealing with your own insurance company. But I, I want to set the, the, the framework and the picture. Uh, uh, so we have a typical car accident. Let's say you're in your car, you're rear-ended at a stoplight, uh, and now you're injured. So what we're talking about today does not pertain to the insurance company for the at-fault party, the one who hits you, uh, because that's called third-party liability cases, and that insurance company for the at-fault party owes you no duties or obligations. They're there to beat you, which we preach all the time. Now, what we're talking about today is the, you're in the accident, uh, you try to make a claim with the at-fault party's insurance company, and uh, let's say they pay you, you resolve that claim, and now you're going to make a UM or UIM claim or a med pay claim with your own car insurance company. That's what we're talking about today. Your relationship with your own car insurance company. Now, that relationship changes. That, that insurance company owes you duties because they're your insurance company, and you also owe them duties, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Right, and, and stop and think about it. You, you, as, as we've said now a couple of times in this segment, uh, you enter into a contract with that insurance company where you agree to pay them money so that they will protect you. That's what they're supposed to be doing. They protect you from being made subject to losing your assets or losing your income or having other restrictions put on you or having you file bankruptcy. They, they enter into this contract so that they can protect you against those efforts, against those efforts that can be made by the injured party. Now, you, you know, it, when, you, when you start going through it, you stop to think that, yes, we do have a law that says 2550, and there is a, a, a large number of people out there that carry 2550, and maybe they sign up just because it's the law just because they have to. But as people start getting more and more into a situation where they have assets, where they have a home, where they have a car, where they have a bank account, where they have some stocks, where they have property, where they have different items that are value to them, they start realizing, I need insurance to cover 
me to protect me in case I or someone else in my household makes a mistake and I need to have insurance that will pay every bit as much as why you have health insurance in case you get sick and every bit as much as why you have life insurance to make sure there's money left for your loved ones in the event you get you, you die. So you, you get this insurance and you expect the insurance company from whom you're buying the insurance and who you're paying the premium. You pay the premium. You expect them to be there to help you and to protect you and to put your interests paramount to anything else in the event you make a mistake. Right. You can give us a call anytime at 303-795-5900. Our website is championsofthepeople.com. That's championsofthepeople.com. Okay, let's give you an example. Suppose you're in this accident, you're rear-ended in this accident, and by this car, and let's say they do have insurance. This would apply even if they didn't have insurance, but let's say they have insurance, and it's the minimum uh, statutory minimum of $25,000, right? Let's say your medical bills have already, they're at $60,000, and that doesn't count your other damages, injuries, losses. It doesn't count the anatomical injuries. It doesn't count the orthopedic injuries. It doesn't count the concussion. Let's just say your medical bills are sixty grand, and the liability policy is for the person who hits you is $25,000. There's not enough money there. So you collect the $25,000, and then you go make the claim, your UIM claim, underinsured motors claim, with your own car insurance company. And then, and so then that's the, the fight starts. That's when they owe you duties and obligations. So then let's say, Brad, that you make the claim, the UIM claim, with your own car insurance company for the $60,000 and the rest, and the rest of your injuries, damages, losses, and they say, okay, we're going to pay you $15,000 total for everything and you say wait a minute 15 plus the 25 that's forty thousand dollars that doesn't cover even my medical bills of sixty thousand dollars and this is what we're talking about today they start to enter into bad faith insurance practices with you they start to breach their duties and so let's just talk about that a second right and that that's what they're going to do and then they're going to try to talk about standards within the contract on what they have to pay and you know standard of the contract is something that has to be looked at. The the first thing you have to do is go to the contract, and they you know most most good lawyers, when you start to say I have a uh, my insurance company won't pay me on my underinsured motors or uninsured motors coverage, most good lawyers are going to say we need to get see a copy of your contract. We need to see a copy of the policy. We need to see a copy of the deck page. We need to see exactly what your protections are. Uh, now, what. W- I think I say this every single show, and I'm going to say it again right now in this segment so everybody understands. None of this counts if you waive your UIM. None of it counts. You cannot waive your uninsured, underinsured motorist coverage. You must have it. None of this counts if you waive MedPay. If you waive these basic protections and basic coverages, you're going to be in a world of hurt when, it, when next time you're in a crash and the person that hits you doesn't have insurance or doesn't have enough insurance. So once you have it, and assuming you have it, now we start talking about what does it say it covers and how does it cover you and how much is it going to cover? And do you have an adjuster who's going to properly and fairly adjust how much you're entitled to as a result of the injuries that were inflicted on you. Right. And how do you tell this? I mean, what do you do with all this information? You've been injured. You collected the $25,000 from from your own insurance, I mean, from the liability insurance company. Now you want to collect from your own insurance company and they don't want to pay you or they want to delay you or deny or deny part of it and pay part of it or lowball it. And, And so what do you do? What do you actually do? How does this come together? 
And and how do you how do you find these so-called standards that your insurance company is supposed to live up to? How do you find them? What do you do with them? And how does that help you, the injured victim? Because as Brad said, you must first have the coverage. And when you do, then you, know, you need to know what the standards are. So next up, we're going to be talking about these standards and what it means for you as an injured victim to make them comply. Bell and Pollock will be right back. Hi, I'm Gary Bell of the law firm of Bell and Pollock. We are injury attorneys. This is your legal minute. Today, we're talking about MedPay. What is MedPay, by the way? MedPay is on your own car insurance policy. It's there to pay your medical bills in case you're injured in a car crash, a collision. It's there to pay your medical bills, your reasonable and necessary medical bills, and they pay your medical bills regardless of fault. Therefore, you want your MedPay as high as you can afford. By the highest limits you can get. We say this all the time. And by the way, if the accident is not your fault and you recover money from the at-fault party, then you don't have to pay the med pay back. That's how important this is. Gary Bell, Bell and Pollock, champions of the people. Give us a call. We'll help you. Bell and Pollock. Find them online at championsofthepeople.com. We're back with Champions of the People, the Bell and Pollock Injury Show. For over three decades, the personal injury attorneys at Bell and Pollock have provided compassionate, personalized legal service. Put their experience to work for you. Go to championsofthepeople.com or call 303-795-5900. Good morning. Welcome back. Fasten your seatbelt. Here we go. The Bell and Pollock Injury Show. It's the Champions of the People Injury Show. Our website is championsofthepeople.com. Championsofthepeople.com and our telephone number is 303-795-5900. This is the only show of its kind. We are an injury attorney, and Brad and I both have over 30 years of experience helping injured victims heal their wounds, get paid, get legitimate compensation from the insurance company, and go on with your lives and put your lives back together again. We can do it for you. If you come see us, we'll give you a free initial consultation and a free legal game plan. We think that concept is so important, we trademarked, protected it, and we wrote a book entitled Legal Game Plan. Face it, the insurance company has a game plan and strategy against you, against you, to beat you and defeat your claim. And so you can get our free book, Legal Game Plan, on our website, championsofthepeople.com. Okay, our example today that we were talking about, you're rear-ended, uh, you're sitting at a stoplight, you're rear-ended, and the person who hits you only has the minimum $25,000 of coverage. You collect the twenty-five grand. Your medical bills alone are sixty thousand dollars and growing, and ongoing, and increasing. And so you go to collect the remaining part over and above the twenty-five grand from your own car insurance company under the UIM underinsured motorist protection. Right? We we preached on this for years. So you go to collect it, and so they say we're, we're going to pay an extra fifteen thousand. So twenty-five plus fifteen—that's forty grand. You say, wait a minute, that doesn't even count to cover my medical bills. And they said, well, that's it, take it or leave it. So what are these standards? What are these duties these insurance companies owe to you? Now we're talking about your insurance company in this show, not the other person's insurance company, your own car insurance company, and they have certain duties and obligations, and they can't just ignore you. One of, the, one, of, one of the strongest duties is they can't give you legal and, or medical opinions. They can't read your medical records, for example, when you make the claim and say, well, you know, you really don't have uh, a situation that requires a disectomy, or you don't really have a facet joint injury, or you don't really have an atlantoaxial injury. That's a medical opinion. 
They're not qualified. And when they do that, they step outside the bounds. So that's one of the parameters and standards we're talking about, right? So the adjuster you're dealing with with your own car insurance company that you want to get paid has duties. One, another one is they have to promptly investigate the claims. Promptly. I mean, we, I've seen cases where they don't even get around to it for two months, three months, three and a half months. And when they do, uh, they don't thoroughly investigate the claim. So then you're going to start to kick in the bad faith laws, which is what we're talking about uh, today. Right. Now, when we do this and when you're involved in this kind of situation, once again, this is where you need to have your legal game plan. You have to understand what your game plan is. This is where you have to look at your contract. This is where you have to look at the information. Because any contract of insurance you have is going to require that in your first-party claim, and when you hear those, those are specific words, first-party claim, in your claim against your own insurance company. You, it's important that you understand you have to cooperate with them. So you need to make sure that you're cooperating with them. You need to make sure that you're doing the things that are required of you. But then at that point, they have certain requirements. The insurance company will continue to have certain requirements throughout the entire time that they are adjusting your claim. They cannot misrepresent facts or insurance policy provisions relating to coverage. Watch out for that. And if you don't think that happens, once again, you need to spend a little time just looking and seeing what we live with on an everyday world when we're dealing with insurance adjusters and attorneys who will misrepresent what the, what the contract calls for. They'll misrepresent what the coverage is. They'll misrepresent how the coverage should be provided. They'll misrepresent whether or not you're even covered. You need to make sure that you have a look at this and you have an experienced attorney taking a look at it. The next thing is, do they fail to acknowledge or act uh, reasonably, promptly, uh, upon communications with respect to claims arising under the insurance policy? Are they acting promptly in communicating with you and getting back to you on your communications? Uh, now, they're, they're going to try, they always try, to make this door swing both ways. So when they make a door swing both ways, you've got to be prompt in getting back to them once you're in this stage of communications. Once again, you know, if any of you are involved in this or get involved in it, the first question you ask, ask your attorney if they pick up the phone and talk to the adjuster. And if they say yes, you might think about getting a different attorney. <laughs> you know, it's that simple. Because yes, the attorney should respond promptly to communications, but those, that prompt response should normally be in writing. Right. And, you know, and that point Brad is making there is the insurance companies try to make your attorney a witness in the case and try to make them disqualified from representing you. So you have to know the rules of the road. We're talking about the standards the insurance company, your own car insurance company has to adhere to and comply with to adjust your injury claim once you've been injured and there's not enough insurance from the at-fault party's insurance company. Our example is $25,000 of liability coverage. You collect that from the at-fault party's insurance company. And then you make a claim and your medical bills are $60,000. We can't cover every standard they're, they're required to, to comply with. Just to understand, they owe you duties and obligations. The Colorado Supreme Court has defined it basically as a quasi-fiduciary obligation and relationship between you and your insurance company. Quasi-fiduciary has a lot of ins and outs and meanings, but understand, just know the simple rules. They owe you duties. They owe you obligations. They have obligations to you. They're supposed to comply. Now, we have common law bad faith. That's what we're talking about. We have statutory bad faith. Those are the two broad stroke characteristics and, 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 and categories. Common law bad faith 
has a little bit more stringent requirements proof-wise against your insurance company, but you need to know they're there. When we get to the statutory bad faith, which is a statute passed within the past six, seven years, um, it provides easier, not easy, but easier um, and more lenient standards of proof against the insurance company, uh, which they don't like a lot. So the common law bad faith, you have to be able to prove that they acted unreasonably, and either they didn't care what their position was, didn't care, didn't investigate it enough, didn't care to even look or call or call witnesses or talk to doctors or get medical records, and uh, or they acted recklessly with regard to your claim. That was a little bit tougher, tougher standard of proof. Brad, let's talk about the statutory bad faith, which was a statute passed in Colorado. We commonly, commonly call it as the bad, statutory bad faith or two-time statute, and that's very important. Sure. The, the two-time statute is very important because it has some teeth to the fact that they act in bad faith. And it, you know, first of all, the, the statutory scheme is pretty simple. It, it identifies for you certain practices, certain practices that the insurance company must carry out, certain practices the insurance company can't violate, certain practices the co- insurance company ha- has to follow. Once again, uh, if you're sitting out there wondering, like I did when I first saw all of this, is why do we have to have these practices laid out as far as what exactly the insurance company should or shouldn't do or how they should be carrying out their practices or how they should be adjusting a claim or what they should be doing and how are they acting in bad faith? And you're saying, shouldn't the insurance industry just be taking care of that and not giving you that kind of problem? And the answer is, I'm sorry to tell you, no, the insurance company is not going to do that. Now, you you also have unwritten standards, and we can talk about both sides of that. But we get certain written standards. And, and one of the places we can look is the Unfair Claims Settlement Practices Act. Yes, we have one in Colorado that identifies certain requirements and certain things the insurance company should do. You know, for instance, does the insurance company, uh, as it adopted and implement reasonable standards for the prompt investigation of your claim? Is it going to investigate your claim promptly? Does it have practices? Does it have procedures to do that? Is it going to refuse to pay claims without conducting a reasonable investigation? And that's a lot what Gary's talking about in his example. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have $65,000 in medical bills. I, you, it, they gave me $25,000. You want to give me $15,000. That takes me to $40,000. I'm $25,000 short I, to even pay my medical bills. That doesn't talk about that my inconvenience, my non-economic damages. That doesn't talk about my loss of, of time from work. It doesn't talk about future medicals. This is just the basic dollars that are sitting there in the medical bills. And, you know, okay, how are you, did you conduct a reasonable investigation? What did you do to determine why I should only get this extra 15000 when we realize that I've been, pay, been paying a premium for $100,000 of uninsured motors coverage. I should have $100,000 of coverage, not 15000 Right. And then when they say they're not going to pay you, they're just not going to pay you, take it or leave it. Okay. So then that's where the bad faith laws kick in. Uh, and you have common law uh, bad faith, which I just covered, a little bit of a stricter standard of proof, but you also have statutory bad faith. So keep that in mind. Common law is the law we inherited from England and came over this country. Common law is case law. Case law. It's not statutory law. Statutory law comes from the legislature. So both laws apply to these insurance companies. Common law bad faith. We have to basically prove that they knew something, they, they disregarded it, and there was, it was reckless on one element of the proof. Uh, they intentionally disregarded certain facts. A little bit harder, a standard of proof. However, on the statutory uh, bad faith, uh, and I want you to pay attention to this very carefully, you got to be able to prove that they denied or delayed, right? 
denied or delayed your payment. And you're thinking, well, okay, that's a little bit easier. I can see that. They denied or delayed your payment, and the denial or, de- or de- delay or denial was not reasonable. There, there's your standard of proof. There's your requirements. They delayed or denied your payment and wasn't reasonable. And that's why they don't like the statute so much. And it's, now it's called statutory bad faith. But you need an experienced attorney. And we can't, we're just covering the tip of the iceberg today on bad faith. But you have common law bad faith. You have um, the statutory bad faith. And you need to have your attorney know these laws and know what these insurance companies do with them. And what do you discover? What do you go after uh, when they won't pay you? Because in the example, you're way upside down. Um, you're, you're, they didn't pay your medical bills. And you still have damages, injury, and losses. And you bought an insurance policy for $100,000, and you thought they were going to pay you because you paid your premium. And I've heard people tell me, I've been with this company for 26 years, 15 years, 34 years, and they're not going to pay me. They're not even going to pay my medical bills. And I didn't create these medical bills. I didn't cause these medical bills. I didn't cause these injuries, and they should pay. So enter stage right, the concepts of insurance bad faith, common law bad faith, statutory bad faith. Next up, we're going to be talking about how this actually applies to your injury claim and to your med pay claim. Bell and Pollock, our website, championsofthepeople.com. We'll be right back. We're back with Champions of the People, the Bell and Pollock Injury Show. For over three decades, the personal injury attorneys at Bell and Pollock have provided compassionate, personalized legal service. Put their experience to work for you. Go to championsofthepeople.com or call 303-795-5900. Here we go. Welcome back. Fasten your seatbelt. The Bell and Pollock Legal Show. This is a Champions of the People Injury Show. Our website, championsofthepeople.com. It's an information-loaded website, and I mean it. We have a lot of all of our podcasts there. We have a lot of information for you. You can put our experience to work for you. You get a free initial consultation if you've been injured, and you get a free legal game plan. You need a strategy to beat the insurance company or companies that are going to try to beat you, period. And if you do, and if you listen and if you practice, and if you know your rights, you can win the war. Simple as that, period. Today we're talking about how do you find insurance. It's so important. You don't want to just make a claim, assume that they represented there's $50,000 of insurance, your damages and losses are higher than that, but they say that's all the insurance, so I guess I'm going to take that. No, you have to find the insurance. Many ways to do it. One of the basic ways is an, is an affidavit of insurance and an affidavit of non-insurance, where you materially rely upon the written representations of the insurance company and the insurer, the person who hits you, that this is all the insurance there is. And then if that's not true, if it turns out not to be true, then that's absolute, blatant, patent fraud. And you have a different cause of action. So that's one way that you can do it. Now, we were talking about the rental car example right before the uh, last break. You go down to get a rental car. And so let's say you sign up for their insurance, right? Isn't that kind of confusing anyway? You get a rental car. Do you want this waiver, this waiver? Do you want a waiver? Do you want coverage? What does that mean? If you sign up for the insurance and there's an accident, all right, then that's where they get into the policy language and the Colorado law. And Brad, let's talk a little bit about this because you can have multiple policies. Uh, and then they both say we're not the primary. The other, other policy is the primary. 
And so you got to go get it from the other person. And that other person's insurance policy, company's insurance policy, says the same thing. Both policies say we're not primary. Both policies say we're secondary. Both policies say go get it from the other one. Right. Words of advice. Number one, if you're going to be getting a rental car, call your own insurance company. Determine if your rental car is covered. Whatever they tell you, you confirm in writing. Send it back to your agent and say, this is what you told me about the rental car I'm about to get. I told you about the rental car. Number two, if you've been hurt by somebody who's driving a rental car, the first thing you do is you require you require the rental company to provide you with a copy of all documents that were signed or that were, that, that were filled out, that were used in allowing that rental. So you can determine if there's additional coverage. Because you're not going to, you're not going to take anybody's word for it. You're not going to just assume, oh, they did or they didn't. You're going to get that information. You need it. You must have it. Don't let them steer you off it. Don't let them say, well, there's no coverage, and just walk away. Okay, now, let's say you find out that there's two coverages. You've got the rental car coverage, and you've got the person's own insurance policy coverage. Now you've got questions that are going to arise between what happens with the with with what we call two competing policies. And, and the first thing you need to do is you need to get to the language of the policy. So once again, before you even make any kind of offer, before you can determine which case is worth, because remember, your case is not only worth what your injuries, damages, and losses are, but your case is worth what's available to pay you. So now you have to go look and find out what is out there, and you've got to find out whether or not this coverage is 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 going to be exclusive, whether or not it's going to be joiner, whether it's going to be primary, whether it's going to be secondary, whether it's going to be pro rata. You just don't know until you get the policies. And so you need to make a demand for the policies, get the entire policies. Then most of these policies will have a, quote, other insurance, close quote, uh, section that you want to look at the other, that section you want to look and find out what it has to say. Right. And so let's assume you got the rental car. Let's assume there's competing policies. One insurance company policy says we're not we're not primary. We're only secondary. We're only excess. Go collect from the other insurance company. That other insurance company, number two, says we're not primary. Uh, we're only secondary. We're not. You got it. We're only excess coverage. Go collect it from insurance company number one. And neither one of them are going to pay. And so that, that situation exists many times in the state of Colorado. The law has now changed. The law has changed. But before you can figure out what your case is worth, as Brad just said, part of that consideration is how much insurance coverage is available. Today's show is finding insurance. You can see now how important this is, how complicated it is, but you can win this war. So back to, back to the example. So you've got the, the two competing policies. They both say they're not primary. So the Colorado Supreme Court and the Colorado statute now says uh, they can't say that. If, and, and the language says that if they're mutually repugnant, if they're mutually repugnant, because one insurance company says we're not primary, the other one says the same thing, we're not primary. So they are mutually repugnant. So both of them have to cover equally pro rata dollar for dollar, dollar for dollar. So now that's the law, but you got to be able to fight it and aggressively pursue it to make it happen. And then you get an example, say insurance company number one only has $25,000 of coverage to pay you, and insurance company number two has $100,000. So they both have to pay dollar for dollar up to the twenty-five grand. Then insurance company number one's out of the picture. They've paid their policy, and then insurance company number two starts paying uh, their dollars past $25,000. That's just one tip of the iceberg. Let's talk, about, let's talk about drivers and passengers, Brad, because sometimes you, let's have one driver, one passenger. The, you know, can the passenger collect on the driver's policy, and how does that work? Because we're finding insurance today. 
Well, sure. The the passenger is going to collect on the driver's policy. The first place the passenger is going to look is something we haven't talked a lot about today is you're going to look to the MedPay and you're going to find out if there's MedPay. Now, I cannot believe how many people waive MedPay. Stop it. Don't waive MedPay. You need the MedPay. Please do not waive it. In fact, if you have the opportunity, get more MedPay, not less. So if your agent says, well, there's $5,000 in MedPay here, and you look and you say, well, uh, what if I wanted 10000 or 15000 or 20000 or 25000 Find out what the price is, and if you can at all afford it, get it. Uh, we go back to the same premise we've gone back to. And you, if you've been listening to these shows that we do, if you've been listening to any shows that Gary and I have been doing for the last 15 years on radio, that's right, we've been on the radio 15 years doing shows, trying to talk to people and educate them about their insurance. If you listen to these shows, you hear the same statement every time. Uh, for most of you, for 95%, 98% of you, the most dangerous thing you do every day is get in your car and drive down the road. That's where you have the most, you're the most susceptible to being injured and especially injured by another person. All the other places you have very little chance of being hurt. It's in your car. Now, you can say I have health insurance, but your health insurance normally has a deductible. Even if your health insurance doesn't have a deductible or if you've met it, you've got to meet it each year. And and if you don't have health insurance, for sure you need the MedPay. The MedPay is going to cover you, is going to pay for you without regard to fault for the first amounts that are there. It's mandatory at 5000 unless you waive it. Stop waiving it out there. You need that med pay. So that's the first place we're going to find insurance. And the persons in your car are entitled to that med pay. They're entitled to an amount of the med pay. So if you have three people in the car and you're in the car, that's four total. You've got med pay, 5000 for each one of you. You can't find that kind of coverage anywhere else. You just can't find it. And, you know, think about it. I've got my wife in the car and I've got my, my two children in the car. I'm driving down the road. And if I if somebody comes through and crashes into me, do I have any money to begin with to pay for those medical bills? And, yeah, I can go searching through my health insurance. But the first thing I'm going to do is I'm just going to look and say, let my med pay pay it. And if you've got it at 10000 or 15000 now you've got it for each person in the car at that amount. It's an important aspect of your insurance coverage. So why wouldn't you buy as much MedPay as you can? Why wouldn't you buy as much UIM insurance as you can? We preach it all the time. Back to our example. You've got a driver and, let's say, two passengers. So Brad just told you the passengers can collect from the driver's car insurance company for their MedPay. Can those passengers, if they're adults or if they're of driving age and have their own insurance policy, can they collect the MedPay from that policy as well? Yes, you can. Now you're going to, but you must find this insurance. You must hunt for it. You can't just turn these cases around as an attorney like like a General Mills. You can't just do that. You must dig into the uh, details. You must actually care about what you're doing. So you got to find the insurance. And we just touched the t- tip of the iceberg on MedPay. Now let's now let's talk about UIM. Let's say three people in the car and they're rear-ended by another uh, a truck. Right. So the truck has liability insurance. You're going to got to find that. You got to find if there's an umbrella policy. You got to you got to search for it and hunt for it and fight for it and get it, and that's what if you come to see us at Bell and Pollock, we do this. That's why we're preaching this. 303-795-5900. Our website championsofthepeople.com. Uh, you know we're going to talk a little bit this morning about stacking. 
and some and sometimes that's relevant, sometimes it isn't. But in our example, where you hit, all the people can apply for MedPay in the car. If the driver who hits you, who rear-ended you, and you got three people in the car that was rear-ended, if they don't have enough insurance, right, then you're going to go to the UIM. So, let, Brad, can the driver, can the driver go to their own UIM if there's not enough insurance? And can and while you're answering, what can the passengers go to the driver's UIM? Everybody's going to go to that UIM. You're going to start going after the coverage from the UIM. And a lot of times the passengers are going to look to at least to their policy, their own UIM, in addition to the driver's UIM. But yes, you're going to look at the UIM of the driver. You're going to find out what the coverage is and, and what any restrictions might be within the policy. But you're entitled to UIM, underinsured motorist coverage, to be able to, to, to get that insurance, to get that care, to get some kind of coverage and, and, and some kind of um, ability to take care of the losses you've, in, you've encountered. So you're going to go to all that. You might even be looking at the driver, Gary. You know, people get upset about this. I don't want you getting too upset. But you might be looking at the driver if you're not a resident relative of the driver. You might be looking at the driver's liability policy as you're trying to find insurance. You might be looking to see if your driver had any 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 comparative negligence that you should be looking at the driver. Right. If you're a passenger, sometimes, unfortunately, you have to look at the driver for liability. But the point of today's show is you got to find the insurance, right? You have to find the insurance. One way is through stacking. Next up, we're going to talk about stacking. Bell and Pollock, championsofthepeople.com. We'll be right back. It is time for you to do the right thing if you get hurt, and that is stop trying to deal with insurance companies and all this other legal stuff while you're still trying to recover from an accident that might not even have been your fault. It's time to do a smart thing and call Bell and Pollock. You know, when I met Gary and Brad at Bell and Pollock, I went into their offices with their big champions of the people.com on the wall. And I thought to myself, okay, champions of the people, let's see what you got. Then I talked to them and the way they view the law and their role in society as lawyers is so much like the way my dad used to practice law that I, I was like, okay, I have to work with you guys. Gary and Brad have done a show for over a decade on KHA where they give out free legal advice. They've been given a ton of awards from the Colorado Supreme Court for their pro bono work. They do a lot of appointments that are not necessarily going to turn into business for them, but they're happy to answer questions for people who just need a little help. This is They, they view their, their role as fighting for the little guy, no matter what kind of help the little guy needs. So if you've been hurt in an accident or you've lost someone because of someone else's negligence, call Bell and Pollock, 303-795-5900. That's 303-795-5900 for the team at Bell and Pollock. You can also find them online at championsofthepeople.com. And please remember to tell them you heard about it from Mandy Connell. Honey, the kids are going nuts. Everybody's stir-crazy. And my patience is running thin. It's almost lunchtime. Why don't we go to Caitlin's? Their food is amazing. And they have those awesome baskets filled with fun to keep the kids pacified and entertained. Oh, that sounds perfect. What is it you like to get there again? Ooh, for starters, I love their green chili and chicken nachos. Then, I usually get Mo's queso with the ground chuck patty, cheddar, and jack cheese. Diced onions, tomatoes, and green chilies between two warm flour tortillas. Served at the side of green or red chili. Yum! What about you? Well, I'm famished, so I think I'll get one of their 13 sandwiches. Hmm, maybe I'll get one of each. And I, and I love the way you can get their sandwiches made into wraps instead. Maybe one of their bacon green chili cheese. 
cheeseburgers or their salads. Or, Honey, or their rein it in. Kids, rice. we're going to Caitlin's. Caitlin's Restaurant at the corner of Mississippi and South Birch Street, just east of Colorado Boulevard in Glendale. Open Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. and Saturday and Sunday, 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. Caitlin's Restaurant. You'll love it every bite of the way. Hi, I'm Gary Bell of the law firm of Bell & Pollock. We are injury attorneys. We do only injury cases, have for years. In fact, for over 25 years. An accident is just another ordinary event for the insurance company, but it's anything but ordinary for you. Don't get hurt twice in the same accident. Once in the accident and again on the insurance claim. The insurance company has its own lawyers, its own doctors. Who do you have? Champions of the people. Bell & Pollock. Find us at championsofthepeople.com. That's right, championsofthepeople.com. For a reason, we'll help you. We're back with Champions of the People, the Bell and Pollock Injury Show. For over three decades, the personal injury attorneys at Bell and Pollock have provided compassionate, personalized legal service. Put their experience to work for you. Go to championsofthepeople.com or call 303-795-5900. Here we go. Fasten up your seatbelt. Welcome to the Bell and Pollock Legal Show. This is the Champions of the People Injury Show. Why do we do this show? We try to give you the information and education you need to protect yourself. This is a war. You can win the war. You can't win the war by guessing. You can't just hope. You have to know what you're doing. You can call us anytime for a free initial consultation and a free legal game plan tailored to you, your accident, your injuries, your medical condition, your pre-existing conditions. You have to do that. If you don't do that, you're hoping, you're guessing. You're shooting an arrow in the dark. You don't know what's going to happen. And I'll tell you what, you're going to get beat. But you don't have to let it happen. 303-795-5900. I'm going to give you an example now. Think about this. You're in your car. Uh, You're hit. Let's say your family's in the car. Uh, Four people in this car and you're hit uh, by a drunk driver, T-boned. The drunk driver has no insurance. None. Zero. What do you do? So let's say your family is fortunate enough. Let's say you had four cars in your family, three cars, two cars in your family. And you got UIM protection on those cars because you've been listening to the Bell and Pollock Legal Show. You went out and called and got UIM. In the old days, and that wasn't so so long ago, the insurance companies had language written in the policies, Brad, where it says it's called anti-stacking language. It says you cannot stack these policies. So let's say in this family... They had three cars in our example in the family. They have car insurance policy on car number one, car number two, and car number three. Can you stack those and add those up? Because this stupid drunk driver, this idiot, had no insurance. Yes, you can. Uh, what you're going to be doing is you're going to be going to the policies. Now, uh, let's let's start with the basis of when I say, yes, you can, you got to look at the policy. But the way we've talked about it, you've got four separate policies of which you are being charged a premium for the UIM on all four separate policies. Yes, you're going to be able to stack that. And so if there are $100,000 worth of policy each, you're going to stack it and have $400,000 worth of coverage. And and you're going to do it, period. And that's where you need an attorney. I don't know how many people out there, and it just it, it just bothers me a lot to think about how many people out there have probably left money on the table because they didn't know that that 
policy their wife carried or that policy their husband carried or that policy that that their their in-law carried that was living in the household or that their child carried even or that they they had on their child had an extra amount of UAM coverage that was not that was for which a separate premium was being paid that would have provided stacked insurance coverage for the injured person and they just lost it they didn't get it they didn't make the claim they didn't know they had no idea and instead, what they did is they just proceeded in the one policy. Uh, they had an agent who wasn't helping them, and they had an adjuster who, who for sure is never going to help you. And what, what happened is you ended up without your money. Right. And so we got car number one in the family, car number two, and car number three. Uh, you got your whole family in, the, in, in, your, in car number four, okay? That's the one you're driving. You have three other cars at home, or you can say two others, or just one other. But in our example, three other cars at home, you're hit by this idiot who was drinking and slammed into you and has no insurance. And so now you want to be able to collect from each insurance policy, and the policy had language in it that says you cannot stack these policies. Listen to that. You cannot stack these policies. It's right in the insurance policy. You can't do it. You can't add them up. That language doesn't work anymore. It's null and void. It's stricken. Even if it's in the policy, it's legally stricken. It doesn't apply any longer. Now, now, if you have separate policies, and Brad, you're a master at this. I've seen, I've seen you work it many, many times. So if you got separate policies, three other policies for those cars, what the insurance company next says, okay, well, okay, we can't use the anti-stacking language. We can't do that anymore, even though the language is in the policy. But we're going to call this, these other three policies on cars number one, two, and three, we're going to call that a single policy and we're not going to let you stack it anyway. Yeah, be careful about what's happening, and you've got to watch it. Now, a lot of times, and I'm going to defend the agents a lot, somewhat on this, is that a lot of times the agents don't have a choice. They have to give the product that the company will sell. And a lot of times companies will try to put this kind of stuff in. First of all, any kind of anti-stacking language you should take to court. You should be ready to take to court, and you should have a lawyer who's ready to take it to court if it's anti-stacking language. However... All of you can determine to what extent you might be able to stack because normally you can't stack within the policy. What does that mean? If you have two or three cars that are on the same policy that has one amounts of coverage for everything, you're not going to be able to stack those three cars to, in, uh, on top of each other because the policy is one policy. Now, if you have a policy for each one of those cars, now you have three separate policies. And a lot of times the, insurance, the agents and the insurance companies will want to do this because they, 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 they rate the primary driver as someone different than the secondary driver, and they rate them differently. And so you're, they're charging different premiums, which would have been a different amount had they put all three cars on one policy. So they've got three different policies. Now the question is, do you have this UIM coverage on all three policies? Have you purchased it? It's not an anti-stacking language. It's have you purchased it? And if any of you want to know if you, if you have or haven't, if you're listening, go home or go, go to your drawer, pull out your, your deck pages. Take all the deck pages and line them up, all of them for all of your cars. Take a look at for everybody who lives in the household. Take a look at those deck pages and see, first of all, if you have where it says UIM, there will be a section for underinsured UIM on the deck page. That's the page that tells you what your coverage is and how much you're paying for everything. And it'll identify whether or not you're paying a premium. If you're paying a premium, then you've got the right to stack those policies. 
if you don't pay premium, if it says included, you might you want to call up your agent immediately and say, why did you do included? Because what you just did was take away my right to stack this policy and listen to your agent babble on about why they did that to you. And sometimes they're going to blame the company. Sometimes they're going to say, that's what we thought we could do for you. Sometimes they're going to say, well, we're doing it to keep your premium lower. And they're going to say, well, how much? I've actually seen where the premium is about a dollar and a half to put that extra $100,000 onto the policy and they don't do it. So you've got these multiple cars in the family, cars one, two, and three, right? So uh, a general guideline, and there's many exceptions, but the general guideline is if you have a separate insurance policy and deck sheet for car number one, and you pay a separate premium, then that's likely to be able to be stacked and added together. And same thing for car number two. If you have a separate insurance policy, a separate deck sheet, and you pay a premium for car number two, likely to be stacked and added. Where the danger comes in is if you just get one policy for four cars, one premium for four cars, and it usually says included, as Brad just said, then you don't have four separate coverages. You don't have. You just have one coverage. And it's too late after the accident happens to find out all about this. You can find out right now. You can come see us, 303-795-5900. That's 795-5900. You go to our website, championsofthepeople.com, championsofthepeople.com. Let's kind of cover where we've come today. You got liability policies, you have umbrella policies. You have to find the insurance. You have to aggressively go after it. You can do it through insurance affidavits, non-insurance affidavits, sworn statements un- under oath, under oath about insurance coverages. You can you can get the actual co- policies and look at them. Then you can have umbrella policies. They usually never tell you about that. And then you get to the anti-stacking language. It doesn't work anymore, even if they have the language in the policy. They might tell you it has anti-stacking language in the policy. You need to tell them the law says you can't do that anymore. It's struck. It's null and void. It doesn't apply. It doesn't apply anymore. It doesn't work. So, Brad, so, you know, can you then take, in this example where you're hit by the drunk driver, can you then take and add the policies up? Let's say they each were $100,000 of UM, uninsured motors coverage, three times, $100,000 plus $100,000 plus $100,000. Correct. You can, and you're going to be able to get an extra $300,000 worth of coverage available to you. Uh, that's very important when you start trying to recover against this drunk driver who chances are there wasn't much coverage or or if there isn't much coverage, you're going to be able to, as we talked to you before in other shows, rewrite the drunk driver's policy because now you put together your own coverage. You know, something to be said for if you are dealing with a company, let's say you've got farmers, and I'm not saying farmers does this, but let's say you've got farmers, and farmers insurance company said, your agent says, well, farmers won't do that. They won't write the policies in three separate ones, uh, your coverages, so that you can have the stacking. They don't like the stacking. They don't want you to have it. Well, then consider going to another insurance company. That's how simple it is. And maybe you want to keep one policy with farmers. You get into one policy with State Farm and one policy with Geico. And maybe you want to have three separate policies. And you say, well, I might lose my multiple car, my multiple insurance discount. Well, that's right. But guess what? They're not selling you the insurance you need to properly protect yourself. It'd be the same way as if you have a boat. And they say, well, we don't cover boats. You'd go somewhere else to get the boat coverage. You want to do this with your own UIM. If they say they just don't do that, then you've got to find the right places to get your coverage. I'm going to add a little bit of extra flavor to this example. This drunk driver that hits you, let's say the bar uh, got the driver intoxicated while he was visibly intoxicated under the Dram Shop Act. So now you can recover against the bar. The drunk driver had no car insurance, right? 
in our example, but you can cover against the bar, and the bar says, well, we don't have to pay because you had three uninsured motorist policies to cover you uh, $100,000 times three. You, you go get the dram shop, the bar insurance money. You apply for and you get and, and apply for the UIM money for you and your family. And I can't tell you how many cases have come in our office and the, the people never considered, including some attorneys, have never even considered the dram shop money, the bar money, the insurance company and policy for the bar. You have to find the insurance. You have to find it. Bell and Pollock, you can call us anytime at 303-795-5900. We are glad to talk to you. We're glad to meet with you. We'll give you a free initial consultation. And as I said at the top of the show, it's not just for five or ten minutes. We have to make sure you understand what the situation is. You understand what your rights are so you can protect yourself. Bell and Pollock, our website, championsofthepeople.com, because we are your champions of the people. 303-795-5900. 303-795-5900. 